Welcome to the SAP Concur Conversations podcast. Each episode, we sit down with industry experts, visionaries, and leaders as they share what it takes to build forward-thinking spend and travel programs. Our goal is to get you thinking differently about how your organization spends money. I'm your host, Jean Dion. I'm the Vice President of the Value Experience Team here at SAP Concur. My team works with our customers to bring positive business outcomes based on data-driven insights. Today, I'm joined by Lisa Simpson of JM Huber, and she has a remarkable story to share about digital adoption within her travel program. Her multi-pronged approach to enabling her internal customers is comprehensive and a real game changer for her program. Today, we're going to talk to her about the way that she has made learning easy to consume and bringing everything to her users that they need to be successful. But before we start, Lisa, would you mind introducing yourself to the audience? Hi, Jean. Thank you very much. I am Lisa Simpson. I'm with JM Huber Corporation. I've been with the company for coming up on 20 years, and I manage our travel operations as well as our credit card operations. So I serve as an administrator with Concur on the travel side, the expense side, mostly with company build statements. And I am responsible for making sure that those programs run smoothly. That's a lot. So the one thing I do want to talk about first, though, and I want to level set the audience with everybody, I mentioned the term digital adoption. And digital adoption can mean a lot of things to a lot of people. So I'm going to ask you first to define what you mean by digital adoption. What really are we talking about? For me, digital adoption means that we are utilizing various platforms, whether it's web, whether it's mobile, a combination of the two, we're incorporating apps, all the avenues and mediums that we have to get content out to our users. And when we talk about digital adoption for JM Huber, what is your percentage of digital adoption at this point within your program? Right now we have about 95 to 97% adoption. Um, Holy smokes. Yeah, we've, um, we worked hard to get there. We have managed to maintain that adoption level for the last 10 plus years, probably with our program. And we're very proud of that. Mm -hmm. Was there any drop off during the pandemic times where people weren't traveling as much or has it stayed pretty steady? It dropped a little bit. Uh, We used to be at 98%. And So we dropped probably into the upper 80s during the pandemic just because of the complexities of travel and Mm -hmm. really needed the agent interaction with them. So we did drop off a little bit, but as soon as travel started picking up, we ramped right back up with that. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that speaks to a really strong program, right? You went down a small bit, but then you came charging right back up. So I want to get into a little bit about how this transpired. And I'm going to share a little something with the audience. Lisa and I go way back. Lisa and I worked on her actual implementation when she first came into the Concur family. So I am super thrilled to be able to be talking to her because this is a bit of a reunion and it's a wonderful way for me to see how successful she has been since I last saw her. So as we talk about this, I I know that you started like everybody else does. You had to start at zero. So can you walk me through where your strategy came from and how you started and how you got to this place? 
Sure. When we initially implemented, we were very much focused on training the users, getting out to them, being face-to-face. But as our company has grown, we have seen the need to go from face-to-face to more online learning, working towards getting it, you know, a pre-recorded training. Right now, it's a live training on a monthly basis. It used to be ad hoc based on number of new users. Now it's scheduled. We wanted to take it from that still personal approach, but make it more available. So over the years, we've morphed our program. We've made it a set schedule so that everybody knows when training is going to be. If they can't make one, they can make the next one. Unfortunately, I don't really get to do face-to-face anymore. We do more electronic, Zoom, Teams, whichever platform we happen to be using at the time. We've also started incorporating one-offs with people. So we have our, our training, but we found that there were, as we grew, as our traveler base grew, as our cardholder base grew, there were different training techniques required. So we still do the monthly training. We then took it to let's do one-offs as needed. Let me do some hand-holding. Let's use those company notes. Let's push notifications. Let's do a newsletter. To now, we've got all of those avenues so that hopefully we're meeting our travelers where they are with whatever their comfort level is, whatever their history or experience is. We're able to take that make them comfortable with our platform through whichever avenue they learn best. And that's really important, right? Especially for your program success, because as your company has grown and the employee base has grown, you actually have a wide range of employee demographics and employee skill sets. Is that true? Absolutely. We have a lot of people who've been with the company were family owned, but a lot of people who've been with the company for 30 plus years. So their experience, their comfort level with the technology is different than the new people coming right out of college who grew up with a mobile device in their hand. We have our C-suite who very experienced travelers, but they also have very experienced support teams doing everything for them. We have our road warriors that book their own travel, do their own expense reports, their preferences are different. You know, some are very mobile friendly, some want websites, some want to pick up the phone and have a conversation. The younger employees, those coming right out of college, most of the time don't care if they talk to a person, make make it mobile for me, make it easy, make it, you know, just give me an app and I'm good to go. And then we also have the plant employees or our mine employees who may not be comfortable with business travel, They may not be comfortable with the technologies out there just because it's not part of their day-to-day. They travel too frequently. So for them, it may mean, you know, always calling an agent versus using a mobile app or going on the site. But we do a lot more hand-holding for those who are not as experienced with travel or expense reporting or as comfortable with the technology just to make sure that they understand that Part of our program builds in the Huber principle of respect for people. One of the key principles at Huber is very important to me. I don't ever want a traveler or cardholder to feel like they aren't capable of doing what they need to do to get their job done or that we're trying to force them to do a way that's not comfortable for them when there are so many avenues that they can take. 
Yeah, I, I think this really does tie back to that whole treating employees as humans and respecting how they learn and how they interact with each other. That idea of having that multi-pronged approach, whether it's going to be the apps or it's going to be a newsletter that they can scan for tips and tricks, or they're going to actually have, as you said, kind of that one-on-one -on -one session, that, that help that they know is at the other end of the phone, I think really builds a sense of community within your organization. And it also helps them feel confident that whatever happens, there's somebody there at the other end of whatever it happens to be, the newsletter, the email, the app, the, the phone, that's going to help them through it and never let them fail. I love that approach. I like that philosophy. So kudos to you guys for, for really making that, that come to life. A lot of companies just kind of, you know, talk the talk. You guys walk the walk with it too. So congratulations. That's one of the things I love about the company. The people are important. And I feel like we don't all learn the same. We don't all have the same experiences. We don't all have the same comfort level. So why try to pigeonhole people? Let's meet them where they are. Let's enable them so that they feel empowered to do it their way. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I remember about the implementation was the idea that we were building the policy into the platform. Um, you know, some people, there's a disconnect there, but how has being able to use the policies that are built into the Concur platform enabled this digital approach that you've been taking with the training and support of your users? Gosh, I, I think being able to build the policy in has been key in all of this because our policy is 20 pages and or thereabouts. And I don't expect, especially the infrequent travelers, to remember everything about the policy. And we offer a lot of guidance. But with being able to build in those tips, being able to build in policy guidance with pop-ups, with policy questions, with exception questions, all of that has helped the travelers. It helps them know what's, what the expectations are, but it also provides me with very valuable information that I can take back to my suppliers because I don't get to have those one-on-one -on -one conversations with the travelers, but I get to read their comments, you know, why they didn't take this flight over this flight or this hotel over this hotel. So that's been very helpful for us. We build in reminders through the booking process and the expense process, you know, remember your card's not for personal use. Remember to attach a receipt to this. Don't forget this has to be itemized. Things like that that are very helpful to the users, especially as, you know, people come from one company and they're like, well, our policy there was this. And I don't remember what you said here. So we try to build that in, make it easy for them, make it as straightforward as possible. Can I ask you a question that doesn't necessarily tie back to the training, but it does in a, in a roundabout way? I've been noticing with some of our customers as they, they've identified preferred vendors within their travel space, but we find that many times the usage of preferred vendors is at 50% or less. So do you have pop-ups in there? I think you just mentioned, you know, you, why are you picking this flight over that flight or this hotel over that hotel? Do you have reminders in there about preferred vendors? And then how do you use that information about the preferred vendor um, and why somebody picked A over B to help with 
negotiation or even conversation with that vendor further down the line? How, how do you use that? Sure. We definitely have our preferred vendors highlighted throughout the program. And if a non-preferred vendor is selected, there's a little pop-up question that asks, why not? And we've got some drop-down reasons. There's a, a text field so where they can elaborate as to what the issues were or further explain. And then I take that information and incorporate that back into training as necessary. Maybe it was just a training issue. We look at it when we review our policies to see, you know, how often we're going out of compliance or out of recommendations and try to incorporate that change policy if we can. But I also take it when I'm meeting with my suppliers to say, yes, I know our market share commitment is this, but the feedback I'm getting from my travelers is you don't have direct flights. So they're picking a different airline for direct flights or your price point is 30% higher. So they're going to go with the lower price. In certain markets, it may be that, you know, you're closer to the convention centers. So you're always sold out. So that's very helpful for us in looking at any changes or modifications we need to make, but also how do we renegotiate? How do we address those conversations so that we can still support those partnerships that are so important to us, but it's gotta be a win-win on both sides. Yeah. It sounds like it's a win-win-win-win because we've got a win for the employee. You're making it really easy for them to provide you with feedback, that drop down. If you want to leave text, you can, but you're giving them a choice of how they can just quickly select without judgment, mind you. I think that's a big thing. You're not making them feel like they've done something wrong. You're just asking a question. Then you have that ability to then take it back as a win to maybe update your training programs and update that digital approach that you have to making sure that everybody has what they need to do what's best, maybe even making it part of your tips and tricks in your newsletter. Then you have your win from a policy perspective because then you can look at the policy and make sure that your policy is in alignment with how people are actually traveling. And then you have the win with the supplier because you can actually use this as part of your negotiations and conversations with that supplier to make sure that they're servicing you in the best way possible because they don't want to find out at the last possible second that they have been doing something wrong either and they want to really make sure that you're happy. So it sounds like a win for everybody involved. certainly hope so. We hope so. We also use the information we get via those comments and any feedback that we get as we go along. And it's really helped us grow our program over the years. You know, in, in talking with suppliers and talking with peers, you know, what are they doing in their programs that I might can incorporate in mine? What am I doing they might can incorporate in theirs? Not only are we doing that with Concur, but all of our tools that we make available to our travelers and cardholders, whether it be the mobile app for the card, whether it be the duty of care app that we have so we can make sure we're communicating, providing necessary pertinent information, making information available to our travelers. Again, it's it's a collaborative effort, not just myself. I work very closely with our purchasing group. I work very closely with our risk team but also with the travelers. And and I love when I have travelers come in that come from different locations that actually stop by to meet me because 
I manage travel, but I don't get to travel very much. It's always nice when when they feel the need to come by and and actually meet face to face and say hello. That helps me feel like I'm providing them with the program that works for them. Yeah. The paradox of the travel manager. Yes. <laughs> they manage everybody's travel, but they stay in the office. <laughs> yeah. So I, I do want to tie back a little bit. One of the things that strikes me about this program is it took, this is a longstanding program, right? It's been built over years, over years, but there was a lot of time and energy put into not just creating this program, but the resources that you have that you are continually updating and evolving. So can you talk to me a little bit about the time and energy that you are putting into this and how that that investment of time has paid off for your program? Sure. So initially, when we when we started doing traveler training under our older program, it was very much non-formalized to me. We would do them as needed. We would have our TMC join in on occasion. And then it became, to me, something that really needed to be formalized. So I spent time with our TMC. I spent time with Concur Resources to make sure we had the right information. And I put together our training and it probably took several weeks to get it where we were happy with it before we would launch that training. Um, and, and it's it's a living training document. We're constantly updating it, whether it be lessons learned, whether it be a modification to our program, a new enhancement, just looking at, you know, is there a better way to present something? So what initially took gosh, probably three to four weeks to create. Now, it, it takes a little bit of time every month to just review it, make sure that it's still working, minor modifications, maybe, you know, a few minutes here, 30 minutes there. The training is pretty solid now, so we don't really make a lot of modifications to that unless we need to update screenshots or something of that nature. With part of our approach, we do a quarterly newsletter, and again, working with our corporate communications team to get the formatting, the templates and all of that took about, I don't know, three or four weeks initially. But now I spend maybe two hours a, a quarter, two to three hours a quarter, maybe an hour a month, looking through the documentation, looking back at the questions that have come up, putting that into the newsletter format, reviewing that with our expense administrator, our procurement team, and then sending that out to the users. So it's not very labor intensive once you get it started. It's labor intensive when we have a new resource that we want to make available, just making sure I'm comfortable with it. I've got the answers. I've got the resource information. So, you know, it can be anything from depending on what that resource is to 30 minutes putting a new slide together or, you know, several weeks putting a training together. But for the most part, now that it's a mature program, really not labor intensive until we make modifications. And making those modifications get a little easier each time, due in part to the partners that we have that help us with those new UI upgrades and things like that. But yeah, so it was, it took a lot to get it there. 
it doesn't take a lot to maintain it, but you do have to be consistent with it. Yeah, so it's an investment. It's a large investment in time up front, but it's a smaller investment for the maintenance of it. Absolutely. And I know we've talked a lot about the different materials that you're putting together, those assets that are available. Is this a global program or do you have it concentrated in one area? And if, if it's only concentrated in one area, how are you supporting the rest of the world? Because I know that your organization is a global organization. We are a global organization and my primary responsibility is our North American program. However, we don't have a Lisa in all of our regions. So I, I am unofficially the global travel manager, I guess you would say. I provide all the release notes, the newsletters, any communications we do. I am providing that to our global users, as well as our travel coordinators or travel leads or expense leads globally. The newsletters I send out to everybody. The company notes section in Concur I'm handling that for the regions. They wanted me to take that on. So if they have something, I put that out there. Most everything is region specific on the company notes pages, utilized as much outside of North America, but I I maintain that for everybody. So I, I guess I do have global responsibility and oversight without necessarily having global accountability and oversight. Yeah. Well, I will say not everybody has the Lisa Simpson. There may be other Lisa Simpsons, but not everybody has the Lisa Simpson. So thank you for sharing yourself globally with your organization. It's really, I'm sure they're all really thrilled about it as well. And as we talk about enabling global travelers, you had mentioned to me once about an electronic format for training. When you get to that point, are you going to use that in specific ways to support your global teams? We hope to. Our goal is to have a standard training that we can tie in through our, our people systems, whichever they may be in each region, so that we can have a consistent training that we can assign to the new users. They can go and take that training whenever suits their schedule. I don't think it will ever do away with our live training mm -hmm. just because some people are more comfortable with that. They want to be able to ask questions. Um, they don't want to just sit and listen to a, a recording or watch a video. So yes, we do hope to roll that out globally. We will roll it out through North America first, which is how we tend to do things. We'll roll out technologies and platforms here, vet them well, because that's our largest traveler base. And then we'll roll them out to the rest of the world. Okay. And, and I think along those same lines, you mentioned something earlier around being global, having a number of apps that you're using to help support your employees as they travel. Can you tell me a little bit about these ancillary tools and apps that you're using it to make it easier for your, your internal customers but how you then tie it back to your Concur platform. Sure. We love to work with the Concur partners. So partners that we can link through the App Center, great assets, great resources. And we like to do that because that streamlines processes for our travelers. We also have a couple apps that we use 
one through our card provider. We've just rolled that out to our user base because they've enhanced it enough that it now makes sense for our travelers. It provides them with great information at their fingertips real time. We have a duty of care app that we roll in and we started working with them through their Concur partnership. So we now have that app. What we don't want to do is just throw apps at our travelers, you know, because then it's, which app do I go to? Why do I have so many? We really want to streamline it, keep it as concise as possible, but still giving them all the resources they need. So our duty of care app, of course, the Concur app, our credit card app are really the main ones. Travelers will have the airline or hotel apps as well. That's entirely their choice. We don't prevent that, but we try to keep everything so that we can manage it and so that we can provide assistance if they need it. And I can't know everything about every app out there. So we try to make sure we're selective in what we roll out to our users so that we're making sure the quality is there as well as being able to support it. So I I know you work closely with some of our partners that are part of our partner app centers and some of our, our premium partners. It sounds to me like Concur is a foundational element of what the other tools can can provide back into Concur. Would that be a correct statement? Yes, that would be a correct statement. When when we were looking for our TMC a few years ago, one of the first questions we asked was, do you work with Concur? If the answer was no, they were eliminated because we at that point had been using Concur. We knew we wanted to stay with Concur and just continue to build on that platform. So, you know, why have a hundred vendors to do the same thing or that say they complement each other when they may complement each other, but they don't connect well. So we want it all in the same soup pot, basically. Let's get it all together. Let's use the resources that we can, that we know have been vetted by these other partners that we think highly of and just build on those relationships. But yeah, Confer has been the foundational element for sure in how we approach new partnerships and new suppliers that we want to work with. So it sounds like your program has evolved with time, which is so lovely to hear, but it's evolved based on your business needs. I know you started with the travel and expense platform like most everybody else does. What does your trip look like since that point? Because I was with you for T&E, but you've had a journey since then. And so I'm just curious if you would share how your program has evolved. Yeah, we definitely, we started with travel and expense. We added company build statements a little bit after that. We added the locate resource Mm -hmm. to really build our duty of care program, incorporate that. We then looked at and added in TripIt for our travelers. We have added in Detect now using AppZen to be able to incorporate that automated audit process to take out a lot of the annual workforce. As our program has gone, has grown, our internal resources have not. So we've looked at things to build our program, to grow our program, to mature our program is really how we look at it. We don't necessarily look at what's the hottest thing in the market, what's trending now. We look at 
what do we need to provide our travelers or what can we incorporate to make our program better, either from a management perspective or a traveler or an end user perspective? It sounds to me then like you're adding on a lot to the back end that offers a lot to your users. It sounds to me like your plan is to have integration without a lot of upset within the user base. Is that really how you approach some of this expansion? It really is. We are, you know, now we're working on integrating our HR systems into Concur, but it's got to be seamless for the end user. They don't need to know how or why or when we're updating call centers and approvers and things like that. They just need to know what happens and that it's correct. Again, everything we're doing in North America, our goal is to get that global at some point within the next few years. And we're making strides to do that, but we won't roll it out across regions until we have everything ironed out here. And part of that is just because of this, the main resources are here for us. So yeah, we absolutely wanna do that. We wanna simplify, we want to enable but it's got to be seamless. You know, when the new user interface came out, we were like, wait a minute, we got to train our users. And people are like, no, you don't, you just flip a switch. No, we need to communicate this because we understand our traveler base. And I still get questions from users going, okay, this used to be here. Where do I find it? So yeah, for us, it's it's got to be easy. If we complicate it, we lose our travelers. They go outside the program, outside of the tools, and we can't support them when they do that. So it's all about really making a solid program that is just seamless and easy for our users. Excellent. Well, I could talk to you for a lot longer, but I know that you have things to do. It's been a busy day for you and you still have things to take care of. So I want to try to wrap this up. I usually try to pick three themes that I've heard um, during the conversation and just hoping that you agree with what I thought was what I heard and that if I'm missing anything or you want to add something, please feel free to jump in. But my first takeaway is digital adoption is really a standard process that provides customized support, which sounds crazy and it sounds like an oxymoron, but it actually is a standard approach to provide a customized way to reach all of your travelers. Would that be a true statement for how Huber looks at this? Yeah, it really is. And, and that's a great way of putting it. It really okay. is. <laughs> all right. Woo. And then I think the other piece of this is, is the idea of making sure that this is seamless for your end user. The goal is to make it easy for the end user with as minimal disruption, but with maximum support for the way that they work and the way that you expect them to do their business. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. They need to be able to do things in their time frame in, in their preferred method and still get it done easily. Yeah. The final thing that I think I take away from this, and you aren't the first person I've heard this from, you aren't the first customer I've heard this from, but it seems to be a theme across those people who have exceptional programs. It's the idea that there is a time investment up front. It's never easy. It takes a lot, but that investment in the front end will yield some incredible benefits 
almost immediately and in the long term that ability to improve your program is done with an x factor because you took the time up front and the energy up front to make sure that what you were creating was not only scalable but supportable for the life of your program yes absolutely okay for us we saw that especially when we started formalizing things going from you know what used to be a 30 40 50 percent adoption rate once we started really putting it together and formalizing hit 80 percent very quickly and then just continued to grow and maintain from there by keeping the consistency and continuing to monitor and modify as necessary without disruption I'm still fascinated by the 95 plus percent adoption that you have. I mean, that's just, as somebody who ran a program previously as well, that's extraordinary. So congratulations to you. I, I Hats off to the team. And I'm just so proud because like I said, I was there with you from the beginning. This really is great. I, I love that it's old home week and I get to talk to you again. <laughs> Thank you. And, you know, it also goes to show that a great implementation really does set the foundation for growing a great program, because if implementation had not gone well, I'm sure our program would not be anywhere near what it is today. So thank you. Oh, my gosh, I'm blushing. (laughs) It's easy with great partners like you. It's a mutual admiration society. Thank you for taking the time to talk with us today, Lisa. I really appreciate it. And it was just a pleasure to reconnect with you. And thank you to everybody listening to this episode of SAP Concur's Conversation Podcast. To hear more exclusive insights and interviews from the worlds of business travel, expense, and invoice processing, be sure to subscribe and listen wherever you find your podcasts. And please join us again for our next SAP Concur Conversation.